everyone, I'm your host, David McNeil, and you're listening to the Graphics Pro Files, the official podcast of Graphics Pro Magazine, a monthly publication that dives into every aspect of the custom graphics industry. We just hit our 20th episode milestone, so thank you so much for listening. If you do have any subject matter that you'd like to see covered on this show, you can find my email in the show notes at graphics-pro.com. To bring in episode 20, we have part two of my discussion with Howard Potter, co-owner of a Master Images in Utica, New York. Go back and listen to part one if you haven't already, because we pick up right where we left off, where Howard describes landing a uniform contract with local police and EMT. In this episode, we discuss machine investments in sublimation and screen printing processes he's built success around, as well as proven tips behind retaining customers. But before we dive into it, a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode, GPX Breakaway. Wednesday, March 24th is the first GPX Breakaway of 2021. This online educational event will focus on software, tools for production and design. There's a good chance you're hearing this after March 24th. No fear, this event is available on demand until April 7th. Registration is free and gives you access to video presentations, including an exclusive first look at the latest from CorelDRAW Graphics Suite 2021. The event kicks off with a panel of experts who will troubleshoot the most common software-related issues, as well as sponsor showcases with additional resources for your business. Go to graphics-pro-expo.com to find out more, and we'll see you there. So was that part of the uh, recent $100,000 investment you guys had done? No. Well, yes and no. We were running into issues last year. So our embroidery room was originally 300 square feet at best, maybe not even that big. And it had two single heads with a laser Mm. uh, or two single heads and one of them with a a laser. uh, And then another one that had a two head unit in there for doing embroidery. So in that little space, we were doing roughly 500 to 600,000 a year in embroidery. And we kept getting bottlenecked with orders. Like we were keeping up with production, but we were towards the last three months because of how the volume spiked, we were starting to have to run six and seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day with those machines, Yeah, which you don't want to run. The machines can handle it, but it's not smart because you wear them down faster over time or you need more maintenance more often. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you're paying overtime. So my wife and I sat down, ran the numbers. We're like, listen, staff don't mind working the overtime, but you can tell they're getting tired. Um, the machines are getting tired that way. So we looked at ripping one of the offices out that were next to the embroidery room and then we ordered a six head unit. And in doing so, we also ordered three sewing machines so that way we could bring in a new service mm-hmm. of altering the uniforms by hemming the pants and shirts and sewing patches on so we could be that that one stop shop for their needs, but then also handle more volumes because when they order their job shirts or their tactical polos, mm-hmm. they don't typically sew patches onto the front. They normally have those embroidered. And a lot of those stitch counts are like, 15 to 30,000 stitches. So the more equipment and the more heads you have, the faster you can run those orders and then do other stuff at the same time and multitask. <laughs> Fantastic. And and you also made a, a $40,000 investment. Tell me about what this new venture for you is. Well, a few years back, I want to say seven, eight years ago, my wife and I were steadily going to one of the equipment shows in, in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And way back then we looked at some, um, 
some laser engravers or just engravers for that matter. And we were interested and intrigued by it. But at the time, we didn't have the quality of staff and the large enough team to keep up with all the processes and cross train the way we do now. Right. And the way we train is much better now. So I think it was like three, four weeks ago. She's like, I learned about this new company that sells blanks and they also have a contact for a laser engraver. I want a laser engraver. I'm like, okay, whatever you want to do, <laughs> you're the boss. Um, <laughs> but but she, she, she knows, she knows I'm, I'm, I'm huge about processes and equipment and I love learning and stuff um, as, as does she. Mm-hmm. Um, so we set up a meeting, we had the, uh, the rep come in to spec our building and look at it and figure out where this thing could possibly fit. Well, originally the laser she was looking at was $10,000 and it was a, a flatbed unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could do all, all types of products, leather, acrylic, powder coated and, and a few others. Like there's multiple different things you can laser etch with it. The issue was if you, if you wanted to do a travel mug per se, right, you have one in at a time or even four in at a time, but it takes five to seven minutes to do one. You know, but you can walk away and just come back to it when it's done. Well, if you're trying to run production, I'm, I'm saying, all right, if I'm starting someone out at a certain amount per hour and it runs me roughly $20 an hour with benefits, this, that, and a third, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I'm only getting like six done an hour. Well, I'm not really making any money off that unit, even if the staff could walk away right. and come back. And it takes you all day just to run 50, 60 pieces. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like that's a moneymaker to me. So my wife and I, you know, had a talk and we're like, how do we move this along faster? Like, what's the next step up? Yeah. He's like, well, we do have a 3D laser, which has a turntable that will actually rotate and it'll do one at a time, but it's faster. I'm like, what's considered faster? (laughs) And uh, he said, he said, you could do four, four travel mugs, laser etched in a minute and a half. What? I was like, you got to be kidding. You got, you got to show me this. So he showed, he showed me the video and the time lapse and it, it was, it was nuts. It was literally in a, in a minute and a half or less, you could do four. And as that table's spinning, you're able to take the next one off that's finished first and yeah. put another one on. So you just stay in the carousel going around. So I ran the numbers. You could do a minimum of 120 to 140 an hour. So I go, all right, what's this laser roughly running? He was like 40 grand. I said, that's the one we want. And my wife's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, that's that's the one we want. Um, and so she was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. And normally she's the hesitant one when it comes to spending large sums of money like that. But she, she's been doing this long enough from the CFO side right. and being in production at times, she understands how those numbers are going to help each other out you know, down the road. But when you look at a five-year payment at like 4.1% for the loan, you're barely around $700 a month. You can do, you can do that off one order, mm-hmm. you know, or like we factored is, all right, if we sold two travel mugs per day for 22 days a month, it covers the payment mm-hmm. plus the payroll. Yeah. Anything more than that, it's profit. Right. So, but if you can do that many per hour, it's another um, process you can integrate doing onesie twosies or larger orders with online stores too. A lot easier because once you import the file like you do with embroidery and you get it set, which is even much quicker than doing embroidery files, it's like seconds. Because once you have your your recipe made for this product uh-huh. with this logo, it's just step and repeat. It doesn't change. Right. So you literally upload your your artwork in there and just pop in your recipe and just get going. That's fantastic. And I, and I like that you're talking about artwork because that's something I'd really like to get your opinion on, you know, like color separation software. Yeah. What methods and, and tools have you found to provide consistent positive results? So I, it was funny because uh, 
I reached out to my general manager because it's been a while since I've actually worked with the software. So I couldn't even remember what it was. But the software, <laughs> the software name is called Separation Studio is what we, we use. And we've been using that software at least seven, eight years now. Yeah. And so you're able to import your software and it'll break it down to how many screens it actually needs total. Mm. And then from there, you can delete screens to do the simulated printing option mm -hmm. and you can delete screens and it'll still give you the rendering of what it'll look like when you remove this color or that color to see how close it still keeps the, the original color. So there's a lot of times where something's saying it needs to be eight screens. Yeah. And this again, where my wife steps in because she is phenomenal at taking colors and altering them to make other colors with the simulated process that we do. Uh -huh. And so when she does that, she's able sometimes to take two colors and make three the way she does it. Um, so she's taught our staff that as well. So there's a lot of times something may need six or eight screens and we're able to get it down to three or five screens because oh, our wow. presses don't go more than six. Because one, it's when you when you start getting past six screens, most people don't want to pay the price of a six a six color and up. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, and ninety percent of your jobs or eighty five percent of your jobs are going to be one to two color anyways. Right. So if you can keep it at that six or less, and learn how to blend those colors, that's key to that. The other thing we use to rip everything is we use Photoshop. So we'll use that software and then we import it into Photoshop and we'll change all of our radiuses that are needed. And then we break it down and print our positives from Photoshop at that point, if we're doing a halftone image and stuff like that from using that, that software. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we strictly use Illustrator and Photoshop for everything when it comes to designing and setting up files. Um, you know, let's let's go back in time for a second and think about what our business is as a whole. Mm -hmm. No matter if you're screen printing, embroidery, sublimation, any of it. Right. It's graphics. Right. It's a graphics based business. How do you balance that uh, relationship with customers of like what they want if they give you something versus what you give them? Because sometimes I imagine that if you just held true to what they actually want, they might not return. They might not be satisfied with the end result. Well, that goes back to customer service right from the get-go. Yeah. So take our customer service reps. We don't just throw them out in the showroom and say sell or write up an order or show the customer the product. Before they're actually out in the showroom with the customer, we actually take them out to each production area and we let them, mm. you know, watch what's going on and ask questions and be educated because this is a very big problem in the industry, not only for like mom and pop shops, middle sized you know, companies our size and multi-billion dollar companies. You always hear when you call customer service, no matter the size of the company, even, even with the promotional end of it. Well, customer service says, well, let me talk to production and make sure that's possible because I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, if you just learn to merge the communication from front to back and back to front and they educate each other and you allow them to... Yep give each other that knowledge, they're actually not only just making each other's jobs easier, but they're actually giving better and quicker answers to your customers up front, which is providing a much better quality service when they walk through the door. Right. So in, in that format, that's just like the customer service rep isn't the designer, but if you teach them to think like the designer, even though they can't do what the designer does, they can communicate the same language and understanding and educate the customer. So all this educating is happening at the door, right? Mm -hmm. In the showroom before it gets to the designer and then production. So everyone's on the same page. Everyone's talking the same language and understanding. Yeah, you can go online and get it cheaper, but what are you getting for your money? What experience aren't you or qualities aren't you getting with that product or service 
that you're not understanding because no one's explaining it to you. Yeah. So when it goes back to the artwork, your customer service reps need to be trained on knowing how and what to say to your customers. Like what processes do you have? What's your capabilities? And if you start going outside those scopes, what's the risk factor? So do you sit down with your employees ever so often to like talk about this kind of stuff? How is this reiterated to them? Um, literally it's a day by day, uh, thing. Like yeah. obviously we incorporate it in training as much as possible. You're not able to obviously get everything out in one sitting or in multiple training sessions. You know, these are things that they have to learn over time, Yeah. but you know, the first two or three months you really try to hit home with it. And then as they're uh, learning their position and being broken in for that position, you keep chipping away at teaching them because you can tell them all the things that can go wrong or go, go right. But until they hit those situations and make and either make a mistake or they don't know something and ask the question, it doesn't normally stick right away. Yeah. Because you got to remember, too, in this line of work, less than 400,000 people in the United States know how to do anything that we know how to do. Mm -hmm. So everything's learning at all times. And you'll be learning the rest of your life because our markets change like technology every three to six months. And when you offer more products and services, everything's changing like this constantly, just rapidly. Yeah. So you got to stay on top of it as it shows up. We'll be right back with Howard Potter after a brief word from the sponsor of today's episode, GPX Breakaway. For the full scoop on the upcoming GPX Breakaway online events on Wednesday, March 24th, go to graphics-pro-expo.com. You're sure to pick up useful tips and tricks and registration is free. If you're not available on March 24th or you're listening to this after that date, you can still register and access the event on demand until April 7th. Title sponsors are CorelDRAW, Graphic Suite, and CIT. Presenting sponsors are Inksoft, Muto, and ShopVox. We'll see you there. Well, and speaking of you know new things going on, uh, do you have any new investments that you're eyeing this year? You know, we we're hammering out our marketing to promote the uniforms. Mm -hmm. In the next month or two, we're going to be professionally trained on altering the uniforms and and being able to sew patches on in house. We've done multiple investments already. The next piece we're working on is over the summertime. We want to start having the plans drawn up for a two thousand square foot addition to our building. Oh, so great. that way we can move our uh, vinyl and sublimation to that space along with the laser technology so we can do our installs artwork and everything in that one building yeah and then it'll free up space in the front of our building to increase the footprint of our showroom <laughs> wow <laughs> that's awesome yeah again that showroom it's a big it's a big talking point for the customer obviously oh, you know i mean you don't yeah. have to have every single product or size in your door but you need to have some relevance if you're going to, I mean, we started, put it this way, when we started out of our house, you know, almost 18 years ago, mm -hmm. I was rolling around with a luggage bag with maybe 12 to 20 samples in it at best, uh, <laughs> driving around in a Jeep, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so then once we got the business out of our house, our first real showroom really was made up of an entryway of 10 foot by 10 foot, but the actual display section was only eight foot long with two sets of shelves and one rack with maybe 20 samples on it for apparel. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to have a small or large, you got to make sure everything's relevant, right? Like if, if I have less space, I need to have the most popular items there, but then also let the customer know, hey, if you need a sample, I'll get you a sample. You guys also do a little, you dabble in a little bit of uh, signage. Can you tell me about that? 
Yes. Um, we Vinyl was one of the last processes that we got into about seven to eight years ago. It wasn't a process that we were run, you know, looking to really get into. We had a, a lot of customers coming in that we do artwork for with other projects requesting it. Mm-hmm. And so we started outsourcing it to local vendors to give them the work and us just basically manage and oversee the job. It got to a point where we had a couple of them missing deadlines and my wife came out of her office and said, buy the equipment. I don't care what it takes. Make it happen. Um, so <laughs> during that timeline, we invested close to 80 grand worth wow. you know, for equipment within the first year, year and a half of getting into it. Um, you don't necessarily have to invest that much, yeah. but when we got into the vinyl graphics, we wanted to be able to do, you know, decals, posters, banners, uh, yard signs, aluminum signs, foam board signs, dry erase, mm-hmm. vehicle wraps, plug and play, you know, all that type of stuff, because that's like the meat and potatoes of, of vinyl graphics to where you can turn over the orders faster and, and bring in more revenue faster. Mm-hmm. So that's where we kind of jumped into it at that end. But you can get more extensive in the signage. Like when you talk a product, you know, about products like Gemini and things like that, where you have these extruded, uh, you know, letters and molds yeah. to where you can actually put 3D letters on walls or outdoor signage. Um, you can go to that that extreme as well. You know, we, we had to do extensive research, mm-hmm. you know, what equipment's out there, you know, what's going to be economical, but also get a, a quality product because any process that we get into as a company we don't like to just do what other people are doing for a standard quality. Our goal is always raise the bar, show people it can be done better, yeah. even if we have to make some mistakes along the way to figure it out. Uh, so from there, we researched and we hooked up with a local company and did our own research on the back end. But we ended up going with a 54-inch Roland printer, uh, Versacam, and then we went with a 64-inch Roland uh, machine that had a dual print head in it. Mm-hmm. And the difference between these two machines, because we started out one before the other, is that the 54 inch, it allowed seven print colors. So most printers, I think you you know you can get anywhere between four to six ink colors in, in a lot of them. So we went with ours to where we could do uh, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black with light cyan and light black and light magenta. Mm-hmm. So that way we could get a much stronger tonal value on lights, darks, and bright colors. And that, that also allows you to produce a better quality print because you can print at a lower speed setting too. Yeah. Um, but both of these printers that we purchased didn't just print. They also die cut as well. Oh, nice. And then the other thing you want to think about when, when you're getting into vinyl and you have these printers is you want a standalone plotter. So we bought a 54-inch Mamaki cutter mm-hmm. that would actually die cut. So we could print everything on, on the machines with the crop marks and stuff to cut. And then we transfer that over to the die cutter and that in the plotter and that just focuses on cutting all day so you, you're you're speeding up your print it's not printing and then trying to die cut at the same time so you're speeding up your production but then you have those print slash cutters that are your backup if you needed to kick in yeah and then from there we invested in two laminators because here's here's an important thing to think about when you're running two printers and two laminators if you only have one printer mm-hmm. and you got to run posters and then you got to do yard signs, you got to do vehicle graphics, it's all different material. So you constantly have to ch- take a roll off, put a roll on, then you have your waste in between of, you know, rolling up. So oh, it cuts your waste yeah. and it cuts your production time down of the changeover time. And the same thing applies with the laminators too. Yeah. Brilliant. And we're doing all, we have all that equipment sitting in a 300 square foot room. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Pretty looking intense. forward to that expansion this year. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Howard, uh, 
Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you being here. Um, tell me, like, where can people follow you guys, find out more about you? We have our website at masteryourimage.com. Uh, at the bottom of the, the homepage or any of the pages, we have our social media links to Facebook and the, uh, I think it's our Twitter page on there. And then you can follow us on Instagram at AP Master Images. Perfect. Howard, thank you so much. And uh, we got to have you on another time, man. I, this was so educational, honestly. You know, the biggest thing for us as a company is we want to see more people grow in this industry. Yeah. Um, we don't want to see it keep getting bottlenecked and the big guy leaning on the small guy and the little guy like getting frustrated. You know, we all have the capability of growth in this industry. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. A big thanks to Howard for being on the show. And if you haven't already, give part one of this interview a listen because there's a good dose of business tips to be had there. And come to think of it, if you did miss that episode, the best way to keep up to date on the graphics profiles is to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or all three platforms if you're into playing it safe. I'm your host, David McNeil, and thanks again for helping us reach episode 20 of the Graphics Profiles. We'll be back April 13th with a new episode, but in the meantime, stay safe and keep customizing. Customizing.